Uh, obviously, that's a very tough question, and probably the question to ask to the people who are close around me. They, 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 they maybe might know better than I, I actually do. Somehow, I think I'm a yeah, quite relaxed person, but uh, with always uh, a clear uh, goal in my mind. And he's always asking, he knows more behind the scenes stuff than I do. And I'm there, he'll send me a text midweek saying, oh, have you just seen who's moved where and who's been testing where and that someone's been driving on a car track. And they're like, oh, what? <laughs> so he's a total fan then. Yeah, yeah, total fanboy. <laughs> but that's, that's great, that's great for you. Welcome everyone to WRC Backstories, our exclusive WRC podcast presented by Bex Williams. Hello everyone, welcome along this week as we delve into the personalities behind the overalls in our latest WRC Backstories podcast. It's been a special week across WRC.com as the official timing partner for the championship, Anonimo, has been celebrating the role of the co-driver. We've watched the 10 most memorable moments over the years and read about how to get into the co-driving seat. But now it's time to hear from a man who has achieved a lot in his co-driving career. A career that spans over 20 years and has seen him take on other roles as well within the World Rally Championship. A wealth of knowledge awaits then as we head to Finland to hear from co-driver Jarmo Leitinen. So getting to know drivers is what we've been about so far on the Backstories podcast, but we are switching code this time around, moving to the other seat of the car where the brains of the operation sit. And we are turning our attention to one of the more experienced co-drivers within the WRC, and that is Jarmo Leitinen. Co-drove for Miko Hevenen, of course, currently is sitting alongside Teemu Sunanen, and he joins me now. Uh, good morning, Mr Leitinen. First of all, how are you doing in these very strange lockdown times? Are you looking after yourself? Good morning. Yeah, it's a strange times, but uh, yeah, I'm missing rallying, but I'm doing okay home. I have enough things to do around here and we are lucky to stay in Finland which is which we don't have so many people so we can go on out in the forest and be on our own and daily routine is not so much different for me than it is between the rallies but of course now I don't have a next flight ticket in my pocket that's the biggest difference. <laughs> do you know where your passport is at this point in time or is that lost in the house somewhere at the moment? I left it in the same place where always when I came back from Mexico, so I suppose it's in there. You see, co-driver, organised. You have to be, right? <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> I'm not altogether sure where my passport is right now. I, somewhere where I put it away to hibernate for a few months. <laughs> <laughs> now, in this podcast, when we've kind of started off finding out about people, I've used the same, I suppose, technique right at the start of the programme, which is... Try and describe yourself in three words, using three words. They can be completely, they don't have to join together, so they can be separate words. But if you were to pick three words to describe your character, what would they be? Uh, ah, that's a difficult one. No, I lost some words in English. Ambitious, for sure. Okay. Otherwise, I would have not been able to make my way up there. Uh, how to say it? Yeah, I'm, I'm calm, normally, 
but I can rev up very quickly. So that's <laughs> part of sportsmanship as well, I think. <laughs> How many words was that? So that's two. <laughs> I need one more. Well, I, I try to be a kind person to people around me. So. I like that. No one has said kind so far. <laughs> you definitely are. Okay, so ambitious. And you're right, you do need to have ambition, especially to, to rise through the ranks of any job, really. But especially when you're, you're in sport. Take me right back, though, Yamo. I mean, right now you are a successful co-driver. You've been a sporting director within a massive manufacturer team. You've done lots of different things. We've seen you as a competitor's relations officer on events around the world. You've helped events in terms of organising. You've done a lot in your career. But when you began as a little Yamo Leitinen, which I'm finding it hard to picture anyone under six foot right now. I can't imagine you <laughs> as a small little guy, to be honest. I need to see some pictures. Um, you know, when you were starting out, when you were very, very young... What kind of person were you? What kind of little person were you? When you were in school, were you, were you these things? Were you ambitious, calm, kind? Or were you a feisty little toddler? Yeah, I think those words describe me even back then. I was, yeah, I had friends, yeah, like normally kids in the school, but I, I definitely was able to get around things with on my own. I'd like to stay on my own, play in the forest and and staying in my grandparents' place in the in the countryside. Uh, but yeah, those words, they actually... I was ambitious what I was doing. I, I, I took my school pretty seriously. But then... Yeah, well, it descri described me pretty well. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so in school then, were you, you know, were you a, a very good student? Were you a SWAT? Were you very intelligent? What was your favourite subject? I was... I don't know, intelligence enough to be lazy in the school. So got through my schools, I have to say, quite easily. But quite early in my life, I realized that, yeah, I'm intelligent enough to learn these things quite easily, but I'm not patient enough to sit and read a long time in a row. So quite early, I decided universities and things like that are not for me. Something where I can do things, more practical things that... That was quite clear when I was quite young. And, you know, was there an in, a thought in your head about what you wanted to be, what you wanted to do when you left school? Or was the fact that sport, and especially rallying it, in Finland, is the sport that you were always targeting there? Or was it something else first? wasn't really targeting. Of course, it was, it was a dream. I, I watched rally since I was maybe four or five years old mm. from my grandparents' place. The Rally Finland was passing the place and I was there a lot during the summers and every summer those guys came and passed our house two, three, four weeks when they were practicing and that's where I got the buck for sure. But but then it wasn't really like a plan to be a professional co-driver or anything or driver. Of course, all small kids, that was kind of a dream. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, in the school, uh, when I went from elementary school up, then then was the time when the computer started to came. Mm -hmm. uh, I was about 15 when I touched a computer first time in my life. And then it started to build up that it might be something. It's a new technology and 
very I was really intrigued to it and I was, there might be something and, and uh, I went a little bit to that direction but mm. then rallying saved myself from computers. <laughs> it's it's amazing, isn't it? You say now you were 15 before you first touched yeah. a computer. Yeah. Yeah. I, and But I think that's brilliant. I mean, I I can't remember how old I was. I, would, I was still quite young, I think, when, when computers kind of were coming in and my brother owned um, a computer shop in our town. So he used to bring different computers home every weekend and you know you had the spectrums of course and the toshibas yeah. every kind of computer and all the games so i was very popular in school because of that people <laughs> be coming to the house and yeah. playing games but amazing that you know now when you look at, at children they're on computers from such an early age but i'm so grateful that i spent a, a vast amount of my youth doing kid things, being outside, building dens, being a tomboy, which, you know, and I'm sure in Finland with the beautiful countryside there, you were outside most of the time yeah. as well. That's that's exactly how it is. But then I think the other way around as well. Now, now these things in our hands, you have most of your life in there. And it, if you use those clever way, that's the kid's life nowadays. Right? Yeah. I, I don't say it's a bad and wrong thing. It's just different than ours was. And, just need to be clever and not to not let to take those devices take over completely. <laughs> yeah, which it's very easy to fall down a hole and look at Instagram all day for me. I know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to, talk to me about then rallying, saving you from a life of computers. How how did it start for you? You know, you mentioned being a driver, being a co-driver. The dream was the dream to be a driver first for you then. Yeah, I think that's nobody knows about co-drivers, so that's most. So of you people wanted to be there famous, is. huh? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. It was really exciting, and I had this small cars, old cars on a, my grandparents' farm. I used to drive when I was really young, and obviously it was a dream to drive yourself. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, well, it all went went along. It started to spectate more and more rallies, not only Rally Finland. And then there was a larger group of friends and somebody's parents were taking us to see the rallies. And then the first friends got their own driving licenses. And I had a lot of friends which were like two to four years older than I was. And then we started to go on our own. And suddenly there was only two of us, which was going like every weekend somewhere like decent distance from home and, and and then it started to kind of materialize that one day it would be nice to be on the other side of the fence and here we are yeah well yeah but there's a vast bit in the middle between that <laughs> yeah. and here we are yeah. yeah so you got your first opportunity when when did you sit in the car 88 that was the same friend we realized that we had just two of us going and and uh, then one day he came to my place in the evening and he said, I actually bought a rally car that would you like to co-drive me? And I was just a hobby playing around with those things. And I think at least half of the thing was to get your hands dirty and prepare those cars. And, and, uh, what and car we was started it? Mark II Escort, obviously. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, what yeah. a car to start with. Yeah. And actually the guy was, he was talented, but we didn't have any money and the cars were crap always and mm. we just did like a national rallies and we were doing pretty well there was a loads of trophies from those days and that was pretty cool and then it was <clears throat> dying off 
because we were on a kind of level that we should have invested in the thing, mm-hmm. better cars and like a more more kind of a detailed program. It was just too kind of random what we did <laughs> earlier. And uh, then it was kind of dying off <clears throat> a little bit. I did some rallies with some other people, but not too many. And, yeah. and I was concentrating on the school a little bit, but then there was that one fatal advertisement in the Finnish motorsport magazine when our AKK, our ASN, they, they had already a coaching group for drivers and they had that kind of Team Finland thing going on and then they realized, ah, oh, we don't have, have actually young Finnish co-drivers and they established the coaching group for co-drivers as well. Mm. And uh, I remember there was an advert who said, write an English letter why you are the next professional co-driver in Finland. And I think five, five or seven of us was uh, like approved to be to the coaching team and got in. <laughs> and that, that was kind of the final push. And then I really made a plan. That, let's see how far I can get. And, and uh, I, I, I really put a calendar. I, I went many years forward and I put the group like a point on my calendar at the until that day I try and if not then I grow up and start to do some real job and actually a few years earlier than that mark on my calendar I got where I wanted so that was in a nutshell how I got there. Wow that that's pretty incredible within <coughs> within that group that got approved were there any other names that we would recognize uh, now? Mika Antila for example yeah and then there's guys who who didn't to so long career, there was Jukka Aho, he was co-driving professionally for a while. It was pretty good group, the first one. You know, that that's great, isn't it? You, you see a lot of ASNs around the world, they do different things to, to yeah. encourage drivers yeah. and co-drivers. It's so important, though, that the co-driver <coughs> element isn't lost because you are a yeah. vital part of the crew and training is needed. Training is needed and you need some tips and I was lucky to have Risto Mannisenmäki co-driver for Tommy Mäkinen and then Ilkka Kivimäki, who was co-driver for Marko Ale. Those were the main characters on our coaching team. You got, they got me into base noting systems and things like that. But for, for me, two main things on a group like that was obviously you get connections. So it opened doors yeah. when, you, when you were kind of a, in a group, which was noticeable and it has some credit uh, and, and then the other thing was that especially like people like all of us who were and we didn't have a big packing like uh, financial packing so you were just trying to be there as long as they get port and so they need to take you along because you don't go away <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, but, but it helped to have a group of similar minded people around you it, it kind of gave you some belief that it might actually work. I'm not the only one who is this stupid to do this stubbornly. <laughs> but this sounds, like you mentioned at the start that you're ambitious and, and you know, certainly mm. you can see it in, in what you've said and, and very focused. But Yamo, you were a young guy back then. We're talking kind of late teenage years, early 20s, this kind of period? No, I was, yeah, 20-ish. 20-ish? Uh, 20, yeah, 25 <laughs> over 20 when was it 65 69 yeah i was picked over 20 yeah well you know at that kind of age as well there are distractions in life 
You know, were you getting thrown from your path by any distractions out there? Were you spending a lot of time in bars uh, in Finland at all? Or was was your goal absolutely on course for that? Uh, well, were you a wild child is what I'm asking, Leighton. I managed to be the wild child between I was kind and nice in the school and then between 25 <laughs> I managed to be the wild child as well. Oh, I, I see. We, we seem to have missed that period. You skipped over that. <laughs> yeah, I missed that period as well. <laughs> I can't remember that period to talk about exactly. it, Exactly. <laughs> no, you know what I'm speaking about. You know, when, I, when, you know, when we talk about Finns, Finland as a country, and this is completely generalizing now, so you've got to forgive yeah. me. But, you know, we, we think about wide open spaces, lakes, drinking, because that seems to be a big part of it all. But also the love of rock music as well. There, I want to know if there was a period in your life where you had very long hair, because I've seen lots of pictures of lots of Finnish drivers, co-drivers, who went through this rocky period in their lives and grew long hair. Did you? I, Are there pictures? I never... I've never had long hair. I'm disappointed. But but I'm still on that rocking <laughs> part of my life. If <laughs> still part of me. <laughs> you know my music taste, so <laughs> I know your music taste. It is is full on, full on hard rock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> so you you're in you're part of the training scheme. You're in amongst <clears throat> all that. And as you said, you put a a, an X on the calendar as to yeah. whether you would make it by that point and you made it before that point. Yeah. When, what was the point where you thought, I can do this professionally now? I, I've made it enough. What was that point and who were you with at that time? Well, it's a bit longer story. I, when I got time. to the coaching, yeah. <laughs> when, when I got into that coaching team, like I said, it started to open doors and I get my first proper drive in the Finnish Championship, and and uh, then you obviously start to get more name, and, and you started to have phone calls and offers. That that was the biggest change, and then you started to think that ah, this might be possible now that I'm I'm getting in the right direction, mm. and um, then I had a chance to do British Championship '99, I think it was, uh, and then I definitely knew that. I started to have a little bit of experience, which not all the co-drivers in Finland has. So uh, I think I have a chance, and that gave me even more motivation. And then, obviously, the big change was uh, 20, uh, sorry, 2001, when the first call from Mr. Jouki came in. And, and uh, but now, looking back, the, all all the magic happened the years during British Championship. And, fin- and Finnish championship because uh, Joke has told me afterwards that they started to realize that the core drivers they were using for their drivers they were starting to come a bit too old mm. and uh, there was a kind of a talent seekers amongst the, all the core drivers who were looking for the younger ones and there is some funny stories. Uh, then, when you you know, when you start about oh, this thing, this thing, oh, I know why that happened. Then, yeah, <laughs> like when, the, yeah, when you look the, back, yeah, yeah. There's a one old, very famous, experienced core driver. He's always been on Yoki's team, and uh, I used to buy base notebooks from him, but I didn't really know him. Although it was like hi, and you yeah, know, and seeing in the rallies, but never being like a friend or anything. And then suddenly, that Mister Huntunen started to call me and. 
uh, on the finish during the Finnish championship rallies. Have you done with your base note? Would you like to have a dinner or things like that? And I was a little bit surprised in the start that why suddenly I've, I've never done anything to do with it. I only bought the base notes book from him. And after a few years, uh, I, I learned that uh, he was just a talent seeker for Mr. Yoki. And I was, I definitely owe my career to Mr. Timo Hantun. And he, he introduced me to Timo Yoki. And, and, and then it all started to be serious very quickly when, when Yoki called me first time. And we went to Italy with Mikko for our first rally. And that was it. And then there was no turning back anymore. You mentioned the name Timo Jokki there, and for people who <coughs> yeah. don't know around the world who he is, he, he's famous in Finland for for being a, a driver, co-driver manager. He's brought so many people to the forefront. Yeah. Um, I've kind of lost count. Obviously, Mikko Hirvinen, yourself, Yari Matti, uh, Tommy it's, was... Yeah, it's easier to count the other way around. There is only <laughs> Markus Grönholm and Esa-Pekka Lappi, who are not really from his teams. You <laughs> see, you need a co-driver to be far more organised in these things. You're right. It's easier to count to the Finnish drivers who yeah. aren't looked after by yeah. him. So to be, you know, talent spotted like that and, and pursued, when you look back, that must have been very flattering, you know, to know that was... you had achieved as much that the people were paying attention to you. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, and there were such a big things when I got the first phone call from Mr. Jokki that I still remember exactly where I was and when I was, when I got the phone wow. call. <laughs> it, that, that, was, well, that was like a life-changing moment, to be honest. Yeah, I bet it was a life-changing moment. Yeah. So you mentioned two words, Miko Hevenen and, and going to Italy. And of course, the, the biggest part of your career so far yeah. has been sat alongside Miko Hevenen. Yeah. And those years, uh, well... I, you, I can leave it to you to describe it because what a what a journey you two had together to make it to the world championship and then the battles that ensued over the years with Sebastian Loeb. Such an incredible time. It was, I'm, I'm really proud to look back. The career has been so far already more than I ever expected. Okay, I was hoping for it, but, you know, things just turned out to be almost right. Mm. There was only that one Mr. Lerb ahead of us. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if it's going but, to be someone, it could yeah. be Sebastian Loeb, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was quite amazing. Like like I told, I got the phone call end of like autumn 2001 that there is a one young Finnish guy going to Italy that would I'd like to go, go drive him there. And that was the first time we did something together with Mikko. And I've seen his name on the Finnish Junior Championship mm. events, but... Honestly, when I went to airport to go to that Italy trip, I had to buy a Finnish motorsport magazine to see a picture of Mr. Hirvonen and to find him from the airport. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's brilliant. That's how, that's how it started. And uh, then we got, that, that went well, the first one. And then 2002, we got first, was it three or four rallies in Italy? And I was asked to do, I had a deal in Finland with another driver, Mr. Joni Ampuja back then. And, I did uh, winter rallies with Ambuja here and then the Italian part of the program started for Mikko and I said yes, well, I can do three, four, five, whatever rallies and, and by May we had done nine or ten rallies and mm. it started to be time to kind of make some decisions and I remember calling Jouhki then, that, what do you think, should I tell 
Mr. Ampuja that I need to change the camp. And he said, yeah, clean your calendar and, and, and uh, I guarantee you have a job for the rest of the year. Wow. And that, that's how it accelerated quite quickly. So this driver who you had to check a magazine to make sure you would recognise, Mr. Havenen, there was an age difference between you, what, 10 years? Yeah, 10, 10, 10 years, 11 years, yeah. But, you know, to look at both of you when you were together, you, you, I would never have said it. And I remember being shocked when, mm-hmm. when somebody said that there was this, this big age difference. Did, did you think that would be an issue be, at, at first or not? I was a little bit kind of nervous about it it's so young that how we got along but then looking back it was we were lucky that yeah I, I was more experienced but I was more experienced in Finland than in not so much even in UK yeah I've done the championship there but not so much and uh, we had a chance to get to know each others on a pretty even level mm. And, and on the first trip, we realized already that uh, we get along pretty well. We, we had something to discuss, even there was some age difference. And, and then 2002, when we started to do more things, I was quite obvious that there's a good match in our personalities. And, and uh, then if you think the career after that, when we started to do even more and more together, we were both really green to world championship. We, we didn't have any experience. I had done Rally Finland a few times, but it's nothing yeah. to world championship. So we had chance to grow together. We, we had the good backing from our management team. And, and uh, the good thing on the Oakis thing is the continuity. It, it, you don't, you see too many times young drivers ending up in a situation that you have a one-off or two rallies where you need to show everything which puts a lot of pressure on your shoulders but with, yeah. with Jokki's idea it's never like that he, he always have a longer plan there and and uh, that allowed Mikko and myself to grow together in the system and, and it really kind of put us close to each other and made the good friends yeah that, I think that was one of the things that was always really evident you were such good yeah. friends and yeah. your personalities were were so similar and you, you know you liked the same things and it just seemed to really work yeah. as a unit. You worked in incredibly yeah. well, and that's obviously a big part of the success that you had. How much would you say that, you know, c- considering he was so young and you did have experience, as you say, it was mainly in Finland, but your experience was there. How much were you able to to boost his confidence moving forward? Because he was a young guy. And sometimes I always found with Miko, his confidence could be a little bit hit and miss. Sometimes mm. it would absolutely be there. Other times you'd have to build him up. How much did you feel you were part of nurturing that? Obviously in the start, yes. you a little bit more experience on life generally. So being more calm, even during traveling and planning things and I was already used to kind of prepare things quite thoroughly before. So that gives a young driver a lot of confidence when someone who is with you always knows what's happening. So yeah. it, it takes a lot of pressure out of the driver's shoulders. And that, that was the main thing in the start. But then traveling a couple of oh, two, three, four years together, it's you don't need that anymore. But yeah, in the start, for sure. When you look back to those early years in the World Championship, 
what would be the key points that you would bring out, good or bad? I would bring in into our car. No, what what would you, like the moments that you would pick out? So those early years, when you look back to when you were first travelling in early 2000s in the championship, yeah. uh, the experiences you had, what were, what were the good points, what were the bad points? Good points was definitely, we got the full seasons, 2003, 2004. Those were cool things, so you got quite a lot of experience. Negative side on those two years was that we didn't have really any testing. Uh, we were missing that. And that could have boosted a little bit the development yeah. Miko as a driver. And then then it felt really bad. We got sacked from Subaru end of 2004. And we ended up to doing a private air program 2005. And then it felt a bad thing. But actually... That was a really good thing for our career. That kind of took the, how to say it, how to put it in English. You weren't so naive anymore yeah. after that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, I, I you learned that. A lot of people understand a, that. Yeah, and it, definitely, you learned this is a cruel world. You need to take care of yourself. You don't don't trust everybody, and, mm. and obviously, the biggest learning thing was that there was we definitely understood that there is something wrong in our performance as well so we had to look into mirror as well and that 2003 2004 doing a full championship both years that gave a lot of experience but also not to get any good success on those years it also teached a lot about the sport and a lot about ourselves and mm. what we are missing and then being a privateer in 2005, that really pushed our, our edges and, and, and we really started to understand how much work this thing needs. And, and you grow up as a sportsman a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talk to me about then the next years, 2006, and joining the team that you would spend uh, you know, a lot of time with, uh, yeah. had done yeah. previously. Yes, we joined back to Ford 2006 and we were lucky to have Mr. Kronholm and Rautianen as a teammates. So they took the most of the attention. So we had more pressure-free atmosphere in our car. Mm. And then mid-season, like, like already springtime 2006, we started to be regularly the third fastest or, or we started to be quite a lot on the podium, quite often on the podium after Marcus and, and Sebastian. And obviously, gave us a lot of confidence and still not so much pressure because all the pressure was on, on Marcus's shoulder to make the championships. And, and yeah, that was that was a brilliant time and very good for us. And it was always nice to Marcus was very nice guy to work with. And, and that was the first time we got the full test program and that. That really, it was a big step on Mikko's driving yeah. to get the full test and discuss with Marcus about the setups. And we did learn a lot 2006, 2007. Yeah, they were very successful years. And of course, yes. the Manufacturers yes. Championship yes. was clinched. Yes. And yeah. it, it was just kind of the dream years. And it was the Finnish yes. team. Yeah. I remember yeah. it being a lot of fun at Ford during yeah. those years. Exactly. Talk to me about your relationship with, with the people around you because. You know, you're coming in, and especially when we're talking you know, kind of earlier when you first came into the championship, mm. you're an experienced co-driver by that point, but 
at home. And then you come into the World Championship where there are experienced co-drivers all around you. Would you say any of them were your heroes? Were you kind of learning from any of them? And what did it feel like when you were meeting these people? Obviously, I tried to be as open as well for the new... Because I knew I don't know anything about World Championship and being in a professional big manufacturer team. Yeah. And and jumping in there was like jumping into unknown. But And obviously, already going into there, I knew that I need to listen and learn and watch what the others are doing. And then I was super lucky to have my first teammate, Mr. Michael Park. And I, I was brilliant here with him. And then obviously 2004, we became friends and I was fantastic. He, he teach me a lot what it means to be in the manufacturing team. Yeah, I mean, Michael Beef was a great guy. He was one yeah. of my favorite co-drivers to interview because he would give me so much information. He taught me so much. Yeah. And I, I felt I could ask him anything, no matter how stupid the question was. I could ask him and he would answer it in a great way. And as you say, he, he taught you a lot. And I can totally imagine that because he was one of those kind of people that wanted to share. He wanted yeah. to bring people on. He exactly. was that character. Exactly. You are you are right here. That was that was his best part, I would say. He yeah. was really kind for the people around him and, and really, really sharing his knowledge. And he was really pedant on his work. I really liked his way to do his work as a go driver. And do you find that, you know, from that experience, having someone like Beef you know help you do you find then that you developed that kind of sense yourself for younger co-drivers coming up have you been able to share your wealth of knowledge yeah i hope <laughs> that needs to be asked from someone else but yeah i've been trying to do that and, and, and especially now after miko stopped i've been trying to help people here in finland and problem is that some young people, they don't dare to call you. <laughs> well, that's it. People are intimidated. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. It's Yarmo yeah. Leighton and I can't just <laughs> call him up. It, 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 it feels very weird even now. And, and, but, uh, yeah, I've been trying to help people and I'm more than happy to share what I've learned. And That is something if I wouldn't be in a team on a rally car, that would be... I've been actually at some point seriously thinking about studying coaching and things like that it's that's really something i'm interested yeah i can definitely imagine you doing that uh, let's go back to the the, the ford years and, and the kind of final section of your <coughs> ford years when you really were battling against sebastian loeb and at the end of the season it was always down to to you guys to yeah. be fighting out for the championship and i remember <coughs> wales well it was wales rally gb where you were battling really hard and the bonnet flipped open on the car. Mm. And I remember at the point where the bonnet, just before the bonnet had come up, you were something like 6.6 seconds quicker than Loeb in the stage. Yeah. And there was 6.6 yeah. .6 seconds between you overall in the rally. And you needed to finish ahead of Loeb and he had to finish ahead of you. Whoever basically finished ahead of each other won the championship. How frustrating was that? Because you almost got him a few times, but never quite. Is that something that niggles you yeah. now, Yarmo? Does that keep you awake at night or not? <laughs> uh, don't keep me awake at night. Then maybe yeah, after that particular rally Wales, yeah, it was really annoying. Mm. But, but then again, 
you get few nights over it and now in this case few years over it and then you look back and you just feel proud of it yeah if you if you look the results how many people has pushed mr lerp so close to the i actually watched one last week and wrc.com pages there was closest fights and oh yeah it, it, it really made me feel like this when lerp <laughs> said that was the 2009 was the year when it was more down to sporting. It was more pleasant, most pleasant for him from the sporting side to win that championship. So yeah, so that made he, you feel good because it was yes. you guys he was battling against. <laughs> yes, of course. Exactly, exactly. And for me, Seb is the driver and he's the teammate. When when we joined with him in a Citroen, he he was really the best teammate I have ever had. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Tell me why. He, he, Maybe it was about his where he was on his career already. He multiple world champion. He didn't mm. need to show off to anyone anything. He was really, and we knew him very well already. When he was battling with Marcus, we started mm. to know him, and then we were battling together. So there was respect both ways. And then when we joined in the same team, it was just being like four friends there in a motorhome. It was yeah. fantastic. There was no rivalry. Only when you put the helmet on, then it was rivalry. It was super nice. Oh, that's the best way to be. And, you know, I'm yeah. sure a lot of people don't realize that because they would have seen yeah. two Finns going into a French team yeah. with a French champion and would have thought, oh, this is going to be a nightmare <coughs> for them. But what no. you're saying is it was totally the opposite. Yeah, and if you look the year, what we did that year, we were kind of really dominant as a team. In, yeah. in a championship and then we would have a two days discussing through the rallies how actually and that was for me that was the best year of Mikko and myself like performance wise okay we lost the championship again and it looked like that Seb was just pulling away but actually if you look deeper in the rallies there was pretty tight fights throughout the whole year and Mr. Matton didn't have a very easy time always <laughs> <laughs> no I think Eve had a headache for most of the time that you guys were battling together but I, I have to say he was fair we discussed it already before the season and it, there was no hard feelings and he was really when really fair when we started to pull ahead as a team manufacturer mm. then he started to it was first like we battle Friday and then it was like midday Saturday and then it was until the end of Saturday and then it was finally yeah you can fight all rally if you want. <laughs> it was it was brilliant actually <laughs> and that's the best that's the best way yeah. to be and I'm so glad that your years there were yeah. you know you yeah. look back on them with with such yeah. fondness because it, it was such a lot of fun um, somebody um, sent me a question for you on Twitter about those years but mm. not to do with any sporting element. Um, it was to do with the videos that you made, the travel logs, <laughs> which if you're listening to this podcast and thinking, what are these? Basically, Yamo and Miko would make videos at the end of each rally to get them to the next rally. So you would see the journey from Sweden to Mexico, for instance, how they would get there. And they would pretend that, I don't know, they'd canoed across the Atlantic or whatever. There were yeah. such brilliant videos at the time and they're still available on YouTube to yeah. Yeah. to watch, which I remember just laughing at every single one of them. They must have been such fun to make. It was such fun to make. Obviously, towards the end of the year, you always get more hungry. You know, the thing got bigger and bigger. It started <laughs> to take 
little bit too much time and maybe a little bit too much money as well. And we actually discussed about it the other day. And I think we were just a little bit ahead of our time. If you do something like that today, you get somebody to pay it for you. Yes. But, <laughs> and, and there was some talks. We were talking with Red Bull and things like that. But it never kind of kicked off. And well, it was super fun, I, especially in the start. It was so many times we had a script for it. And then we see the venue where we started to film. And <laughs> here goes the script. And then we just started to <laughs> make fools out of ourselves. And I actually watched those videos not so long time ago. I found them from YouTube. And still laughing and remembering good moments. I'm so embarrassed on some places as well. <laughs> well what, tell, tell me about the embarrassing ones. Which ones did you feel were embarrassing? Uh, well, it looks, if you don't know the story behind on it, and it's so long, many years now, and people don't remember so well Mikko and myself as a character, so then it was more obvious what we are looking. <laughs> but now, now they are so off the kind of context that you're like, what the hell is these guys doing? <laughs> I think it's definitely time that we give them another airing. They need to have their time again on social media. It was so funny. And that was definitely a kind of a red line from another to another one. There was always, there was an idea behind it, but it's not so obvious anymore. Yeah, how you travel to events. And honestly, I loved every single one of them. They were just brilliant. And then, of course, it changed. You had the fun times at Citroen. You had the incredible travelogues that you made, you moved on, and then Miko decided he wanted to retire. Yeah, it was, I was a little bit sensing it during the summer 2014, and then before Rally Finland, he told me that I, I, I might want to stop after this year, and he hadn't made the decision yet. But him saying that out loud, I knew this is it, it's yeah. gonna stop end of this year, and yeah. Uh, definitely I wasn't too happy I wasn't ready to stop but I knew where it was coming and I really respected his decision and, and it was clear for me this is what he wants to do you know you didn't want to stop as you said but you were obviously there was nothing you could really do to change his mind once he'd made that decision it was going to happen mm. Did, did you think, okay, I'll start looking for another possible drive straight away, or I will also take some time off and consider my options? What was going around in your head? Obviously, my first reaction was, no, it's not true. He can't stop. There is still, uh, he has so much to keep for the sport still. And But like I said, I understood why he came to that decision and discussed with him and in the start, I might have tried to question his decision. Are you really sure? <laughs> but, but that was kind of a desperate thing to do. <laughs> we have so many more videos to make about us traveling around the world. Yeah. But uh, yeah, then I thought first that, yeah, I, I take a sabbatical for myself. It's, it was a 12-year stint in the full years in WRC, and it's a lot of travel. And I actually calculated that my average time out of Finland, which is excluding then Rally Finland. It was around 200 days a year outside of Finland, not seeing my family and things. And I thought, okay, now it's time to calm down a bit. Mm -hmm. But my definite plan was that 2015, I take it easy. 
and the winters especially I just stay home and do nothing and then mid-season I start to look for a new seat for 2016 then and that, that was clear plan and I was keeping myself in the decent physical condition and things like that and but then somewhere in April Mr. Tommy Mackinen called me and, and uh, started to speak about one possible Toyota project in Finland and then next two and a half, three years went like this. I didn't know where they disappeared. <laughs> yeah, and you took on an you know, a totally different role. You changed from the man who is competing, the man who's sitting alongside a driver, to the man who's part of a team, assisting Tommy Mackinnon, looking after so much. What was your official title? Sporting director or yeah, that was the direct title, yes. But, but uh, it, it covered a multiple of things, yeah, yes. We need to remember that we started the project from zero. Yeah. In, in Finland and the, it was then end of the summer, like August 2015, when it really started to kick off. My job was to help to build the team. Like wow, we, we as a facilities we had the farm in, in Popola, yeah, central Finland, and I remember being fifth or sixth because Tommy had his small rally team building group and cars, and we started to change that into a team building world rally cars. So first thing was to start to find people, and that's. I think that was the main reason why Tommy asked me to help him because he knew that I'm recently been in the championship and uh, knowing a lot of people around yeah. there. And You knew and, the best people. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, time schedule was quite looked bad. That it can't happen in such a short period. That was my first initial reaction. But then when you started to look into it, why not if we find good people and they are really dedicated and committed. That's how it kicked off then we started. I, I remember first day I, I went to a phone shop to buy me a phone and a, and a SIM card to start the job because there was nothing, there was just a clean table. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's and, the best way to start yeah, sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. But then you think that you had how much we had like... He's counting on his fingers. <laughs> Still counting. We had, we, we had 17 months to be ready. Do you know what? When you say it now, it is incredible, yeah. isn't or, it? Or 18, actually, 18 months to be ready in Monte Carlo, 17. And <sighs> from nothing, from absolutely <laughs> nothing. It, just imagine yeah. everyone out yeah. there. If you're like, yeah, okay. We're gonna we're gonna build a world rally car and we're gonna create a team yeah. and we're gonna One do the, it in yeah. less than then two I remember, years. I think the first guy I called when we then decided, okay, let's do this, and and there was actually Mikko was helping a little bit, thinking mm. that who might be a good person, and and I think the first person I called was Mr. Tom Fowler. He was working in Sellafield nuclear power plant by the time I knew him. He was. So Tom, just as a background, was Mikko and Yamo's engineer yeah, yeah, at, yeah, exactly. at Ford for a number of years. But he'd and, left rallying to go and pursue yeah. something else. Yeah, and but knowing Tom well enough, I thought that yeah, he's, he has a good job in that nuclear power plant, but he's a rallying guy. He's desperately missing. I'm sure he's missing. <laughs> <laughs> I was guessing wildly, and I called him and. Actually, not so many days after the first call, he called me back. You are actually right, Jarmo. I'm missing it like hell. 
And that's how it started. I think he was the first kind of big name to get, get in there. Then, then we started. To how stressful was the whole process, considering you had a limited time frame and you had the goal of yeah, Rally Monte so Carlo to get it all ready? Was it an, a very intense time? Yeah, yes, it was, obviously. And you were doing kind of so many things together. You were first building up a design team that we can get the kickstart for the car because that we knew that's the longest time and then everything else we can kind of gather around somehow from somewhere mm. and there was there was kind of two parallel projects that the project which we need to have existing 2017 Monte Carlo but then there was a parallel project this is how we want the team to be one day but now we don't have time to do it in our way that you had to take a piece from there, piece from there, and build the team quickly. And at the same time, plan that this is how I want to do this better when we have time. Yeah. So it, it was it was like enormous hours of work. And uh, there was fantastic people, and they're still in the team. But, but especially in the start, there was a fantastic bunch of people who we just locked ourselves in and never came out from <laughs> you know there was a lot of chat in the media building up to it that it was impossible that it would never yeah. be done that they couldn't you, yeah. you know how could you guys build a, a world rally car how could you create a team in this in this time limit and it just wasn't possible and there was some pretty you know negative press around it how much yeah. was that um the kind of thing that spurred you on to, to prove everyone wrong? Or did the team try and ignore it? Yeah, we tried to ignore it. That was a bit of a mistake. Now looking back on the communication, we would have avoided a lot of that negative thing if we were a little bit more open what's happening. But but it was our own decision and also a decision from Japan, but we don't tell anything. Mm. And, you know, when, when you don't tell anything, then people make up the story. and the, They make it up it, anyway. Yeah, kicked off quite badly sometimes and yeah some days you were kind of annoyed about it but then you just tried to ignore and mm. and and you're, you're right it boosted our job a little bit in a way that yeah let's wait and see Monte Carlo 17. Yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely um there's, there's so much about you know that time which for you must have been completely different to being in the co-driving seat and you know one of my fond memories is actually <coughs> hosting the launch of, of the Toyota Yaris with you in Helsinki in the December before you guys started in Monty and how exciting that yeah. was to see the car and Yari Matti was revealed as as the driver and it, it was just a really exciting time and special I'm sure for you to have been part of that you are you know you're part of history in a, in a big way <laughs> yeah yeah it, in a way, yeah. Actually, I never thought it that way, but when you say it, that's true. <laughs> but for me, the biggest sensation was that I had been in a rallying a long time already, so I can say that I knew something about the sport. Mm. But then you jumped in a completely different role and you suddenly realized that I don't know shit about it. <laughs> like, complete unknown. Because you knew everything, what, what's there. You used everything yeah. as, as a co-driver. But then when you start to put it in a small pieces and think about Actually, yeah, this is this equipment. Where do I find it? Then you find it. How do I get it to us? 
And then how do I get it to the rallies? Then it's like <laughs> enormous chains of things, and one problem creates two new problems, and it's it, it was really intriguing, and I learned a lot. <laughs> would you would you say you developed um, a greater respect for maybe the people who are? <laughs> behind the scenes not you know you mentioned before the drivers yeah. are famous for me the co-drivers are famous too but the people who are behind the scenes mm. making yeah. it all happen have such challenging jobs definitely uh, from the team side but being being definitely uh, especially in a role i was <clears throat> then when we <clears throat> sorry when we started to go closer to the rallies <clears throat> so i had to deal a lot with the rally organizers and a lot with the fia and a lot with the wrc promoter so you saw the organizing side of it quite well as also. And uh, <clears throat> looking back now, I would make it compulsory to switch jobs sometimes. It <laughs> opens really your perspective. And I've been, uh, people around me get bored, but if, if they ask me how I feel now when I got back into rally car, I, I definitely can say that I'm not better co-driver at all that I was end of 14 when I start with Mikko, but I can assure, assure that I'm better behaving go driver. <laughs> now, this is something I was <laughs> going to bring up with you, actually, because it's something, you know, I notice over the years and it's a real privilege for me to, you know, to be part of the championship, to do what I do, interview drivers, <clears throat> but also be there at the start of their careers and watch mm. them grow and, and become champions. Um, yeah. I started my career as exactly the same time as, as Loeb did. So I watched him go all the way up, same with OJ, same with you guys. And, and that's great, but you do notice changes in people. Sure. And, you know, the more success someone gets, sometimes, and not everyone is the same, but they can become a little bit more aloof. There's a lot more no than there is yes. Mm, yeah, sure. Would you say that you became a little bit of a diva at all, do you feel, or not? I don't know, diva, but yeah. <laughs> You know that famous yellow liquid. I think it went into my head at some point. <laughs> <laughs> at, least, at least, and, and kind of not maybe in publicly, but like people. Luckily, I had people around me, like friends from from childhood and things, who said they don't change anymore. Yeah. So it's nice that somebody keeps you touch with the ground as well. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping you start to levitate so ground. easily. Yeah. I think you do need people who will turn around, yeah. and I've happily yeah. said it to some drivers. Yeah. Don't don't become a, yeah. a an arse, basically. Just yeah. don't. There's no need for it. But I I understand at the same time why and how it can happen. Yeah, and during especially during the rallies, it's it's so easy, and you don't even mean to be rude or or how you say ignoring people. But you're so focused on your yeah. job and. It's so easy then you're in middle of something and somebody asks you, you don't even hear what the question is and you need to answer. You, you, you might sound quite rude and you don't even mean it. But, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I then, totally get it. I do. I really do. And, no. and, and then in the evening you go to bed in your hotel room and, oh, God, I need to apologize tomorrow. What did I say? <laughs> but the fact that you think that is is good enough. Now... Uh, okay, the Toyota years, as spectacular as, as they were for you and as much as they taught you, yeah. they they came to an end and your co-driving career <laughs> took off again. Tell me about the transition between the two. Well, it's uh, like a night and day. There's 
if I look the job as a sporting director, you have a, like a big bag of jobs on your shoulders all the time. And then you jump back into a co-driver's seat. Yeah, you have a big bag of pressure to deliver the res- result, but then you have a one job to focus on. Mm. And then you have the sporting director ask all the stupid questions from him. So, <laughs> so it's a big difference on those jobs. I had a question in. Um, so I put out a little message on, on Twitter and Facebook, any yeah. questions for you. And we got some questions in. But one question came in by text because I think the gentleman didn't want to be recognised on social media. But I'm totally going to give you his name out right now. So Probably my, some of my friends. Well, it's Ian, Cam- <laughs> it's Ian Campbell, clerk of the course uh, of Wales okay. Rally GB. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's mentioned actually the, the Citroen vlogs that you did. So we, we've covered that. Um, but his, he put three questions. <clears throat> lastly, oh. <laughs> lastly, how did you lose so much weight to get back in the car? <laughs> and he says, I can hear the Finnish swear words from here. <laughs> so I just avoided Mr. Campbell's company and didn't have so many pints every evening. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. But I think in, in a way it's a fair question. Be, not so much on the weight front, you've always looked fabulous. But you, you spent, what, two, three years with Toyota behind a desk, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and whether you know whether we like it or not, on rallies you were twenty four seven pretty much behind a desk watching everything that's coming in. Yeah. And yeah, the Toyota catering is fabulous, so you're <laughs> going to take advantage of that. And to get back into a rally car, then you need to be back at your your physical peak. Yeah. W- was that a big thing? Uh, it was actually earlier. It was the times when we were building up the team. Well, I've, I've always been a little bit too big as a co-driver and that's always never been my best point to be in fittest guy in in the business but being fit enough and then when I stopped with Mikko and jumped then in uh, 15 in in the office with really odd hours and you (laughs) you work 10 yeah and you work 12 hours oh haven't eaten anything who orders the pizza then and you know (laughs) (laughs) and suddenly you or one day you call on the scales and you're like, oh, oh, not me. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I, I started to change it already then when I was still with Toyota. And actually, the catering at Toyota was so fantastic that it was easier there than during the rallies. You had good quality food and you could, yeah, you had time to think about what, what to eat. But yeah, I'm still too big and I need to lose weight a lot to be on my on my best in a rally car, but I want to do it in a way that it's uh, it's staying in that way. I, I don't believe in any magic diets. No, absolutely. There are, there are none and, out there. And if there is a few kilos extra in a car, if, if you can create a good atmosphere and you do your job, otherwise without big mistakes, I don't think those few kilos decide any championships. It's, it's so much down to the feeling in a car anyway. So what is the feeling like? I mean, you've jumped in alongside Tamu Sunanen, who is, you know, a rising star in the in the WRC and has achieved a lot so far. And now we're all waiting to to see what happens next with him. Is he going to make it to to a really high level? 
and he's now got a very experienced co-driver at his side in yourself. What is the relationship like with Temu? It's nice. Again, it's a big difference, even bigger than there was between Mikko and myself. Yeah, I think Temu told me it's 25 years. Yeah, he's half younger than I'm actually <laughs> older than his father is, so it's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> And again, I have to say, maybe I'm a bit childish, and, and Teemu is then quite mature, as he said. So we, we get along pretty well. I'm, I've been enjoying the time with him in the car. And for me, it's, I, I think in a, in a way that it's a privilege to work with the younger people. It yeah. keeps my mind fresh and young. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, it's really enjoyable. And yeah. it's, it's fantastic to watch. So I don't need to make a career anymore. So I don't have that pressure. I can dedicate my time to help him. And and, and uh, it's so nice to work with someone who is motivated and really committed and pushing him a lot. Also pushing me and the team around him a lot. So it's that makes my days interesting and not boring at all. It's It's, it's really nice. It's interesting you say that. It's a different perspective now because you you have made a very successful career for yourself so that the pressure is off your shoulders. You've, you've kind of proved what you can do in now lots of different roles. Yeah, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm still ambitious and I want to win and I still have the championship to take one day. <laughs> oh, he said it here first, folks. That's it. He's not yeah, given up hope no, of that world that, title. Yeah, that was a bit of a joke, but yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in there if you're not wanting to make a success. But, but yeah, you're right in the other way. I don't need to prove myself anymore. I've, I've been there and on the top, and I just honestly want to help him to be yeah. there as well. I, it's, it's a nice combination now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll kind of wind it down now. We've been talking for an hour. Can you believe it? It doesn't feel like an hour at all. It really doesn't. But you're back with, obviously, M Sport, and you're back with Malcolm Wilson. Um, you know, you, over the years, Malcolm has been within your life. And yep. now that you've come from your role in Toyota, but you're back into a co-driving seat, are you still, are you trying to kind of push Malcolm and Rich Milliner, who's now kind of looking after the team? Because you've been in that role, are you looking at things differently? Are you a bit feistier, maybe? than you were when you were a co-driver with the team before? How to put it? Yeah, I can see maybe things differently. And it helps me also adapt to different things, maybe a little bit easier. So mm. jumping from a team like Toyota with, with pretty good budget, for example, jumping into a bit smaller team like M-Sport, you need to be realistic what we can request and you know, expect. Uh, it helps to yeah. have a bit wider perspective. <laughs> and and you're actually right, I, I'd like to pinpoint it, that Malcolm has played a huge role in my career and a big respect and I'm really happy in this part of my career to be again a part of his team and, and really hope that we get over these difficult times and get the team going again in the end of the year and for next year especially. Yeah, we're all looking forward to, to rallying, resuming as, as quickly as it possibly can in 
what is a really bizarre time and, and the whole world is in the same boat. You know, it's it's pretty incredible, isn't it? So at lockdown or in lockdown, as, as we've all been, you know, you've been at home doing various yep. things. Now, are you a bit of a DIY person? Are you a gardener? Are you a cook? The Finns aren't known for their food, <coughs> Yama, I have to say. We have a good food. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not being massively impressed any time I've come to a vascular. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I've been doing uh, most of the things you said. I've been, I'm living in a house which normally I'm more than half a year away from home. So now I've had time to start projects which can last more than two days. So it's fantastic. I've got a lot of things done. And I've done some gardening as well. I really like it now. It's been quite early spring here in Finland and it's been enjoyable. And I've been cooking as well. I've been, I have to say I'm not a good cook, but with all the technology we have now, you have the videos and the recipes <laughs> from your iPad. So it's nice when you have time. I really like it when you have time, you're not in a hurry. It's, it, it, it's really nice. Yeah, we can all learn to do anything right now. We could learn languages. Yeah. We could do pretty much anything because it's yeah. all at your fingertips, and that's pretty amazing. I'm not yeah. sure I'm going to come out of this with a new language learned, though. Uh, that's one of my dreams as well, but so far I've been busy enough and lazy enough not to start. <laughs> <laughs> start uh, but, uh, maybe one day. Maybe but one I've been day. a lot outside, so it's amazing how much you find even your kind of neighborhood close by areas, how much new tracks in the forest and even like spectacular places to see. You never even looked for those places and now when you've been forced to be quite close where you live, so I found so many nice places. And I have like theme weeks that one week I had to have a f different forest every day and it's, it's just fantastic to go out there. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is fantastic. It is. It's brilliant. Yamo, thank you so much for chatting to me. I've really enjoyed it. really enjoyed hearing <laughs> the backstory to your whole career. Um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you soon in the co-driving seat. Yeah, I look forward to that too as well and see you asking questions. <laughs> thank you very much. For more great WRC content, head to WRC+. Plus. Thousands of hours of archive footage, from end-of-season reviews and onboards, to features on some of the legends of WRC. That is WRCPlus.com, the home of WRC action.